Turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. Those of you that have been around Victory, what is now Light City, used to be called Victory Christian Center. And when we started with Victory Christian Center in this building, I think, or maybe just slightly before we got here, we spent probably two years in Mark chapter 4 because of how important it is for our lives as we walk the journey of being Christians. And so the, the hooping that you hear around, you probably are hearing it from people who have been around here for 10 years or so, and they're, uh, they know where we're going. And so what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to lay some foundation for you, but so before, just hold your finger there in Mark chapter 4 and flip over to Matthew chapter 4, uh, because we're going to uh, try and lay some groundwork with what exactly is it that Jesus is talking about here. And so in Matthew chapter 4, and if you go to verse 23, this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry now. And verse 23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And so what I want you to do is I want you to conjure up in your mind an understanding of what you think, because if that was the title of Jesus' message, the gospel of the kingdom, what was the message? What was he actually talking about? And I would submit to you that for most of us, uh, particularly modern Christians, particularly modern Protestant Christians, uh, you would say, go something like this, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could get to heaven when you die. And if you believe that Jesus died on your sins, then you believe the gospel and you're going to go to heaven when you die. And so, which I think is pretty much everywhere, all around the world, we believe that is the gospel. But what I began to understand as the Lord opened my eyes, this is years and years ago, a decade ago now, that we began to look at this and say, wait a minute, one of the difficulties that we have when we are, when we are uh, reading the New Testament, even the whole Bible, is that we can go from the life of Adam to Abraham, back to Enoch, over to Jesus, come back to Isaiah, then jump over to John in the Revelation on the island of Patmos, and then go back to Paul, go back to uh, Samson. And we can pop around like that, like we are eternal beings, like we are passing through millenniums of time, and we lose our perspective in the sense that these things, certain things are operating chronologically, obviously. It's like, for example, Jesus was here on earth teaching before Paul was. How many of you know that? You can do both of them in the same afternoon. You could lay in your bed and read Jesus and read Paul at the same time, but that's not actually how it happened. It happened chronologically. And that was where the problem came in because Jesus is now, what you're reading here in Matthew chapter 4, happened at the beginning of his ministry time. This was before he was even attracting a lot of crowds. He hadn't raised dead people yet. He hadn't done some of these really cool things like feed 20,000 people with a filet of fish sandwich. He hadn't done that stuff yet. And so he was just starting out an itinerant minister, wandering around little town to little town. If you've ever been through this area, it's just rolling hills with blowing grass on them. Every now and again, you bump into Capernaum, which is about the size of this room, and then you walk for a whole bunch more, and then you pop into some other place, Bethesda or Gadarene or whatever, and they're just little tiny little towns. Now, never mind what they would have been like when Jesus was here. The Bible says then, it recounts that Jesus went about preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. So take this into your mind for a moment. Jesus is just coming onto the scene and there is, you know, maybe three or four families with a bunch of kids playing and Jesus is taking the opportunity to minister to these people. And this is his message. Uh, my message is that I'm the son of God and I am going to die on a cross, a Roman cross after being tortured for many, many days. Uh, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. I'm going to be raised from the dead. Amen. Let's do lunch. Everybody can see that's not what happened. If it is what happened, Peter was a doughhead because he was completely shocked when it did happen. So if Jesus was telling him in every town that they went to for three years, I'm going to die on the cross, surely the disciples, particularly <laughs> Peter, would have known that this was what going to happen. He would have been okay with it. Don't worry, folks. He's going to get raised from the dead. He told us so. Right. But he didn't do that. Right. 
And so what we have to be able to do then is we have to look at it and say, certainly there is a gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that Paul talks about, is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's a very important one. And then uh, Paul talks about his gospel. Peter talks about my gospel. So there's potentially many gospels, several messages. That's what gospel means. It's oangalizo. Uh, it's a word that means a good message. And so when I tell you there's hot coffee after the service, you would say, wow, the gospel of Ian is awesome. Because <laughs> he's got a great message for me that there's hot coffee after service. That's simply what that word means. We turned it now into this very specific meaning, saying Jesus died on the cross for your sins, so you can go to heaven when you die. That's true. That is definitely the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's not necessarily, and certainly not chronologically, the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus said in, Mark chapter, in Matthew chapter 24, he said, this gospel, which one? This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation, and then the end will come. And so this gospel, Jesus's gospel, the gospel of the kingdom is a very important gospel. It's a, it's, it's a signaler, it's a flip switch of those things that are going to happen in the end of time. Now, I believe the end of time is at least a thousand years. At least that's what we're building for. That now that this is coming forth and people are going to be understanding what is the gospel of the kingdom, that it is going to set in motion a thousand years of the kingdom of God being expressed in the earth. But now if you look at Mark chapter 4, go back to Mark chapter 4, and Jesus is beginning to talk now. I'm going to stay with my notes. Jesus is beginning to... Ah, oh, that really hurt. That Jesus begins to discuss with us one of his primary messages. And what I'm going to submit to you is the meat, the meat of the message that Jesus, that Jesus titled, or Matthew titled the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, is actually this message in Mark chapter 4. And I'm not guessing at that. I'm going to submit to you some rational, logical reasons why I believe that. And so if you jump, if you're all in Mark chapter 4, do you have your Bibles with you today? Because this is going to be super important. Because it may be going to be going against some things that you already believe to be true. Uh, which is always a challenge for us as human beings. Because if I'm going to tell you something contrary to something that you already believe to be true, you're going to think I'm wrong. And that's okay. I, I'm, I'm totally good with that. The question is, if you read it in the book, yeah. that's a different matter, Very good. right? If I tell you I like roast coffee and you think you like light Colombian, I, I, I'm not wrong and you're not wrong or right, which is different. And we're okay. it's okay that we have different opinions. Right. And as humans, we have to be okay with the fact that we have different opinions. But when it comes to the word of God, now that's, that's a different matter. Right. Now it's saying, okay, my opinion is based on what I believe but what I believe, hmm, how many of you are willing to accept that there may be something in what you believe that isn't absolutely perfectly right? How many of you would say there may be one or two of those that I'm still dealing with? Yes. And so there's a willingness in us as Christians, not necessarily to go after one another and start beating each other up on what we happen to believe, you know, white sauce, red sauce, you know, al dente, you know, I, don't worry about all that stuff. We can be totally cool with a mixed bag of how we like our taco sauce. Where you don't want to be doing that is when it comes to the word of God. Amen. There's a different mindset when we go beyond opinion and we are listening and as Isaiah says, we are debating to see. I'm open to discover the Bereans in Acts 17, where they would say, a readiness of mind to, to, to listen, to hear, to grasp. I'm going to test it. I'm going to read it for myself. I'm not going to be a, you know, I'm not joining a cult here. I'm going to test it for myself. I'm going to read it for myself. I'm going to see for myself. I'm going to go through the logic myself, and then I'm going to make a decision. And, and Paul celebrated, Luke celebrated these Berean folk 
for their willingness to go and prove whether those things be so. That's what I'm going to encourage you to do. As you read through this with me, as you are able to put a, put a piece of paper right there in this page of your Bible so that the paper never leaves that page. Because everything I'm about to talk to you about is all on one page. So you'll be able to go in there and grasp it for yourself. And so let's just read what Jesus said. And, and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. Now that word doctrine means he was teaching them according to what he believed. Hearken, behold, there was a sower who went out to sow. <clears throat> and it came to pass that as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where there was not much earth and immediately it sprang up and because it had no depth of earth, when the sun came up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns and those thorns grew up and choked it out <clears throat> and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60 and some a hundredfold. And Jesus said unto them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And he left. And that was it. That was, you think, we have long services? This is Jesus' service. It lasted a minute. And he left the stage. And he said unto them, and when he was alone, verse 10, and when he was alone, they that were about him, and they were with the twelve, the disciples, and they asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, he, basically, if you let, go to, to Matthew chapter 13, I'll give you three references here. Um, Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. They all kind of say the same thing, but there's little tiny bits of information in each one that are valuable for you, so go read those two. And it says here, <coughs> Matthew says, and they asked him, why do you always speak in parables? Like I have a, white <coughs> I have a whiteboard right here, and I'm going to lay some stuff and numbers and all of those type of things as we go through this. And it's going to empower you with all of my cool organizational chart, all the things to go. Jesus didn't do that. And his disciples were bugged because they were saying, dude, there's thousands of people here. At some point, there got to be that many. And he would have started with this. I'll show you why in a minute. Thousands of people gathered together and there's maybe 10 or 20 that would come and ask him, you know, great master. We would say, dude, dude, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I mean, he's giving such a child's like, I mean, these are agricultural people and he was using an agricultural metaphor. And so we would say, you know, you, you open the door of your car, you sit in the car, you put that little silver thing into the thing, you turn it and you drive. Everybody totally gets what I just said. That's what he was talking about. Maybe you never grew a tomato. You know, you skipped that class in grade eight. And so you didn't do that. You've never grown something from a seed. And sometimes we have trouble with that because it's not a common metaphor that we would use today because we're not all agricultural. Tomatoes come from Sobeys. And so, but not to these people. To these people, this was completely like, dude, I, I, I'm glad I didn't pay money to come see you. You just, I already know this. Everybody has a garden. That's how they lived. They have little gardens and they plant them and they the zippity-doo, then the tomatoes come. So what he was saying to them was so simple. But what he was needing them to do was make a transition from a natural metaphor to a spiritual reality. Telling them how everything works. And he said unto them, now they're asking, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Wow. Unto you, the people who came and asked him about what the heck he's talking about. Unto you, it is given to know the mystery, the secret of the kingdom of God. But unto them, the other folk, people here for breakfast or people that were here to get healed in the sense of they were just looking for the blessings. They weren't looking for the truth, right? That's often the problem with us. We're kind of taking a little moment here uh, to discuss this in the midst of our blessing of Abraham teaching. But if you're looking for the blessings, you, you, you can't get them. 
Try as you might, you can't get them. The blessings come because of your relationship with God. And so you can't get them because you're looking for them, but if you're looking for God, you get them for free. And so that's what he's saying. This is what's happening. I'm giving you the secret. I'm giving you the, the code that breaks all the codes. I'm giving you full access to everything the Bible has, but only you get it because you have come to find out what it is. And so you go like this. It can only be found who though, by those. You remember this from Pirates of the Caribbean? The island of something, something. Help me with it, all you Pirates fans. Can only be found by those who already know where it is. See, if you're looking for the kingdom of God, you know, uh, mine's electronic, but it would be cooler if I was flapping my paper Bible right now. But you know where it is, right? And so you can find it because you came today and you say, I, I know where it is. I know where the answers are. All we got to do is find the answers. I know where the secret is, is what they're saying here. The secret of the kingdom of God and how it works. Because remember, Jesus had gone around preaching and then healing. So he would say, listen, God wants to heal you, bow, and the guy gets healed. And they go, whoa. Wouldn't you go, whoa? Didn't you go, whoa, a minute ago with the testament? Go, whoa. I'm signing up for that. How many of you said that in your heart? I'm signing up for that next one because I want what they got, right? That's what happens. Whoa. And so they realize now I'm going to give you the secret code to do what I see you doing because I know you know how to do it. I just watched you do it. And you're going to give me the secret code. How many, you know, I tell this people all the time that how many times have you gone up to a rich man and they've told you how they got rich? Yeah, that happens. Hmm, never. Because he does not need competition. Right? But Jesus said, I'll do some miracles for you. I'll show you how the kingdom operates, and then I'll tell you how to do it. Because, right. dude, sucks down here. I'm out of here. A couple years from now, you're not good. I can't tell you right now, but zippity doo, I'm out. And this place is a toilet. Right? And Jesus wanted his disciples to know how to do what he did. Right. And he said, So you go, to a, you go to Jesus and say, How do you do Jesus? And he goes, This is how you do it. Simple. And he's releasing it here in the how. How do you unlock the kingdom of God? And then he gives us the great warning. I've got it in green right here because it's kind of a sad warning. In verse 12, that seeing, these are the people that are without. What happens when the mystery is released and people are not looking for it? Seeing, they see, but they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. Lest at any time in that process, they would be converted. So it's kind of upside down to our modern world, right? I need you to come to church so that I can get you up here. I'll headlock you. You pray the prayer. You're not leaving this place until you pray this prayer and get converted. That's how we say it. Well, this is upside down to that. Jesus said, no, no, I'm going to talk in riddles and parables. I'm going to talk veiled. I'm going to make it seem like there's nothing that I'm saying. Why? Because I am definitely not looking for those people to be converted. Thinking... Jesus, you are rude. No, no, no. Jesus is not being rude. Jesus does not want to give something to somebody who is not going to do with that thing what they need to do with that thing. Because if I tell you that something is wrong and you do it anyways, it's not just sin that's la-di-da sin. Now it is willful sin. And sin that's willful is a lot worse than sin that is just dumb. It, to God, that's different. And so, because James said, if you don't know it's sin, if you're just dumb, right? Many of us are like that. Our culture grows up thinking that they should sleep with people before they're married. That's just dumb. Yeah. But th to them, it's not dumb. They, you, you test drive a car, don't you? It just seems like it makes sense that you would do that. I, I want to be happy. My life is all about me being happy. And so therefore, I, you see how the logic goes, right? That's just dumb. You shouldn't do that. But they don't know that. But then they come to church and we tell them that. Now they know that. Okay, now it's different. Right. Do you see? Anyways, that's why he does that. He doesn't, he doesn't need to bother people, right? I live by this adage now. I'm a, I'm a preacher, so I have people to talk to all the time. But I tell people, I don't talk to people who aren't listening. Right. I, I just don't bother. As I'm not, I don't want to offend people just because I'm interested in offending people. I only want to offend people who are looking <laughs> uh, to be offended. 
I don't think that came out quite right, but you understand what I mean, right? <laughs> Tell the truth. There it is. Just drop it right out there. Verse 13. And now, so verse 13 is in yellow in my thingamajig here. Because it's so important to understand the importance of what we are talking about right now. And this is what Jesus said. And he said to them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know any of the parables? Now, it's very important here that there's parables that Jesus taught, which are very important parables. They're in red. But the whole Bible is actually a parable to you. Now, it's G- D- David's life was his life to him. Right. But his life is not my life. It is a parable to me. It's a story to me. Jesus' life is not my life. It's a story. Everybody's story, everything that goes on in the Bible is a story that I could use as a parable. I can look for the message. I can look for the truth. I can look for the understanding that is underneath the, just the general flow of the story. And so that's called a parable. It's called a, a, a fable. It's called a story. And we glean from that the truths. We suck out the good juices of what those stories are about. And so, but Jesus is saying here, That if we don't understand this parable, what I'm about to tell you right now, that silly story about a seed in the ground, if you don't understand how that story applies to your life, the whole Bible, help me Jesus, the whole Bible is going to be outside of your access. Isn't that interesting? Now you got to read that again. I had to read this many, many times. I had to read this for five years before I would ever say it out loud because I just couldn't accept what Jesus was actually saying here. Given the fact that I've been a Christian for 15 or 20 years by this time, and the only time I had ever heard this page, the only time I ever opened this page of my Bible was at offering time. And so I'm realizing, yikes, Jesus is saying this is the most important thing to learn before you try to learn everything else I'm going to teach you. And yet, there's no understanding, no real grasp of what this is talking about. Or grasp is okay, application in my life and yours. And so he said, unless you understand this one, or let's flip it upside down. When you understand this one, when you access when you dial in the secret code on this door, that's going to open and give you access to everything else that is in the safe. That's what Jesus is saying. This combination is going to give you access to everything in the vault. And he begins to explain it. The sower sows the word, he says, and these are they by the wayside when the word is sown, that when they have heard it, Satan comes immediately to steal the word from them. And if you go to Matthew chapter 13 here, you'll see, from them that understandeth it not. And now what does that mean? Well, let me give you a little bit of a story. Uh, if you take a look at the engine inside of your vehicle, the engine is based, is really runs on two different systems, air, an air system and a fuel system. And so in the top of your engine there is going to be a carburetor or a fuel injection system that is going to squirt uh, gasoline or, and an air mixture into the inner body of your engine. When it does that, the valves are going to shift up and down. And when the valve opens, that mixture is going to plump down into the, one of the pistons. When it, close, when it goes into the piston, the other valve is going to close the piston shut tight. The piston then is going to come up from the bottom and compress that air and gas mixture at the same time as a spark is going to come from your spark plug, which is going to make a tiny little explosion happen inside of your piston, which is going to drive that piston down because of the pressure of the explosion, which is going to turn the crank at the, the crankshaft at the bottom of your engine. That crankshaft is going to turn, which then turns the, the, uh, the uh, transmission that is right behind it. When the transmission begins to turn, it builds up hydraulic pressure inside that transmission and begins to drive the axle at the back of your car, which then makes the tires turn and you move. Okay, let me, not very nice, yes. There's your Mechanics 101 lesson for the day. 
How many of you could see in your mind all of those bits and pieces as I was moving through that story? Put your hand up. Most of you will be men, but some of you will be women. I appreciate that nowadays. Particularly if I was talking about a motorcycle engine, then there's lots of you that would understand how to do it. Yes, Michael over here. God bless you. The difference being those people understand what I said. The rest of you could kind of follow along. Yeah, I kind of get it. Zippity-doo. Wow, this is crazy. When is he going to stop? Because you don't really understand the way an internal combustion engine works. That's the difference. Simple. Both of you could hear it. One of you understands it, and one of you don't. Which is okay. You don't have to understand. That's why we have mechanics. God bless mechanics. The issue is, when the Word of God is delivered to you, Sometimes the word of God is kind of like that engine to somebody who doesn't understand what those pieces are that are inside of there. And so you kind of go, I don't understand it. But you can understand it, but it's an active work to understand it. I remember when the Lord said to me uh, years ago now, we started developing actually what is the encounter program. My very first experience way back in La Dida time when uh, we started understanding the concept of transformation, inner healing, all that kind of stuff. The Lord said to me, uh, he took me to uh, Luke 15, 31, which is the, the story of the prodigal son. You're familiar with it. Yeah. And at the very end of that, Jesus says to the older brother, said, beloved, I am with you always, and all that I have is yours. God speaking, father speaking to son. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, you mean you're talking to me, God? And he said, yes, I'm talking, you are my son. Beloved, I'm with you always, and all that I have is yours. Now, I'm a business guy at this time. I'm, you know, I understand mathematics. I understand how money is calculated at the end of the day. One plus one equals, help me, two. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. So if you're saying this to me, and simultaneously saying it to everybody else, aren't you God? And he goes, oh, yes. Okay, wait a minute now. How can you be giving me everything and them everything? See the problem. And so what does my brain do? I didn't understand it. Only until actually very recently that the Lord has been helping me to grasp what it means to live in abundance. Because you can come to me and you, I'll give you everything I have today, and then I take another step, and it all gets filled back into my life, and Sandy says, yeah, I want it all. Yeah, I'll give it all to you too. Because when you live in a realm of abundance, right. there, there is just a constantness to the very constant... Cons- anyways, you understand? Teaching for another day. Understanding is a very important part, especially going forward. Many of you were raised Christians, you know, you watch a little drummer boy, you had this kind of a life, you come into the kingdom and you get the idea of Jesus because we've been talking about it since the day you were born. There's lots of people in this world today that have not, do not have that experience. And so we're needing to go back to the place where we underst- help them to just simply understand basic things which you say, zippity-doo, I understand that, no problem. No, they don't. And so the concept of understanding is very, very important. When you are, for those of you that did the encounter this weekend, God has said things to you that you're going, no, wait a minute. You know, like God says, you know, I love you and and, and I'll always take care of you. And you think, like Micah's story, like, dude, you didn't. What about, 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 the devil's going to start what abouting you. And he's going to start reminding you of all the places where that promise of God that has always been true hasn't been factual in your life. And you have to be able to understand, what do I do with that? How do I get what God is saying to me when I have all of these factual experiences that would prove to me that he's a stinking liar? All that I have is yours. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I've run out. I've run out lots of times. How do I understand that? You see, that's what has to happen. Otherwise, it just becomes this very puffy, you know, very, you know, happy talk from Sunday mornings and doesn't make it to real life on Monday. 
until we can understand it. And that's what you're seeking for right now. This is why Jesus is saying, this isn't as easy as it looks. That's why it's a secret. And the secret has been hidden forever from everybody in plain sight. But nobody could see it. Nobody could understand it. Nobody could grasp it. Because it starts off by understanding something that's probably radically contrary to life experience for lots of good reasons, which we maybe we'll talk about, but we have to know how to understand it. We have to know how to get it in our head. Pastor Alex and I were talking this morning on the way back from the pool about how spiritual things are very hard to see on this side. And, you know, God talks in what he can see looking towards us, and we try to understand what he's saying by looking towards him. He sees everything. Uh, we just see this. It's hard for us. And God says, this is what's reality. And you're going, yeah, not uh, because of what we see. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Number two, so that's first thing. And this is how we do it. I talked to the encounterers over the weekend. My mother used to say, you know, whenever she talked to me, it would go in one ear and out the other. And so here's what I want you to do. Put one finger over one ear. Why did I, ask you to, why did I get you to do that? So that what I'm saying goes in one ear and that doesn't go out the other. So don't lose it. Don't think it's easy to understand things that Jesus is saying. You know, these little tiny stories you know, a, little, a, a lady, she lost a coin and she swept her house up. She found the coin and rejoiced. Woo! Sounds like an easy story. To, but you know what? You could hang out with that story for a month and you won't dig out all the goodies that are in it. Like this one. This one, you could stay here for a year and read Matthew chapter uh, 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8 every day. And you'll come back a year from now and you'll say, you won't believe what I just saw. I've read that. How many of you said that to you? I've read that a thousand times and I never saw that. How many of you could say that to me? What's happening? What's happening is the proverbial light bulb just went on. You got it. But the light bulb going on is not the answer. We think in our intellectual years, uh, our intellectual society, that just knowing the truth is what matters. I can quote the truth. Therefore, I get the truth. That, that's unfortunately not true or we'd be the most awesome people on the planet. I mean, we are the most awesome church in the planet, for sure, as you know. But we'd be doing a whole lot better if we were manifesting the things we'd be knowing. How many of you'd say, yep, you do. I would sure like some of that stuff. Yep. Okay, so let's go on then. And he says, uh, so these are they, likewise, that are sown, this is verse 16, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, which when they heard the word, they received it with gladness, but and since they have no root in themselves, they so endure for a time. But afterwards, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately <clears throat> they are offended. Now, this is pretty much our North American Christian environment right here, especially when you have awesome preachers like myself who are going to make you super glad about the messages that we are bringing to you because there's so many promises built up in the word of God. There's life and life abundantly in every scripture that the Bible has. It isn't hard once you start going after it to receive it with gladness. I mean, you come, if you come to have Jesus, then we will have a Mercedes Benz waiting in your driveway tomorrow. All you need to do is tell us what color you'd like. For three easy tithe payments, we will get those to you. Lickety split easy. We receive it with gladness. The problem is it doesn't work quite like we would like it to work. This is how it works. You start up here and you are an okie dokie person. Then the word of God comes to you and you get excited because right around the corner is your brand new, how does it go? Brand new, I can't remember, Mercedes Benz waiting in your driveway. The only problem is it doesn't quite go like that. How it goes is you are doing okie dokie and the word of God comes to you and you get excited. And then 
persecution and afflictions come, temptations come. They come for the word's sake. Yes, yes, yes. You know the devil really doesn't hate you as much as you think. Can I tell you what the devil hates? He hates God who is the word. And so when the word goes forth, he's thinking to himself, I need to get these people to not understand it. So I'm going to get them to focus on his cool vest. We're going to start focusing on whether he's hot or cold whether I like the person beside me or not, whether there's enough cushion in my chair, and whether that coffee is actually going to be there or not, <laughs> instead of understanding what's being said. And then all of a sudden, he sees this thing go, boing, and your eyes open wide, and the devil realizes something. You got it. And he goes around slapping all the little demons in the room for not distracting you well enough. <laughs> and then he sends out an email. And the email is, get that word. Because yeah. yeah. oh, the hardest thing, the worst nightmare in the devil's life is the word of God getting into the heart of a human being. Because he knows what made Jesus Jesus wasn't that he was good looking or tall or he told jokes in the middle of his service. What made Jesus Jesus was that he was releasing the word of God that was resident on the inside of them. He wasn't giving them words, he was giving them fruit that was coming out of the tree of their life, of his life. The devil already knows the problems that are associated with a man, a human getting the word of God. And so persecution and affliction and temptation and what's the third one is something that goes like tribulation that is sent into your, not sent, I, I, I shouldn't even say sent. It gives the devil too much power to say sent. We all know that what we believe we get in our lives, right? And so the problem was the deception that you believed yesterday is coming into your life. Well, you don't believe this part yet. And so what you're getting is true, is facts, proof that what you believed before was still, is still is true. So if I believe in lack and God tells me that you can live abundantly, then I get really excited about that. The problem is I'm still getting what I believed yesterday in my life today, which is a fact, but it's contrary. It's affliction. It's tribulation. I shouldn't be living like this. I'm a child of God. I'm not supposed to have lack, <coughs> sickness, <coughs> sickness. I'm not supposed to have people giving me half a peace sign as I go over the, the peace bridge. That's supposed to be happening to me. It's coming for the word. That's right. So when someone gives you half the peace sign, you say, yeah, buddy, you give them the other half. You're number one. Because if you give them back the peace that they gave you, you lost it. See what happens? It comes for the word. It comes for the word. And what it's talking about here is you have no root. There's no soil. There's no topsoil. That's how if you're, you know, when, you, when, we put the, when we put the tomato plants, we don't want to put them right in the garden because it's kind of wet and clay-like around here. So we get a pot and we put the little, whatever that, you know, organic substance. I'm not quite sure if we call it soil or not, but let's call it soil. And we put the tomato in there, but you got to keep watering it. Because if you don't keep watering it, it goes dry and then the sun comes up and it bazookas your tomato plant and you get diddly squat. Should I translate some of that for all of you people who are older? <laughs> Why? Because there's no root. There's no soil. There's no absorption. And so because of that, the sun comes up, tribulation, persecution, affliction, and whatever the fourth one is, 
and you, you die off, you, you burn up, you, yeah. you wither. Yeah. Now it gets better as you go along with God, the more, 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 more you get, that's topsoil, right? Topsoil is yesterday's harvest that's laying in the ground and rotted. How many of you know that? And so when you get more topsoil, then you get, it, goes, it goes easier yeah. as you go along the road. I can believe, in, I can believe to heal a headache, and then when I get a throat ache, then I can, I'm okay, because I know that I can get the headache thing, so that's soil to me. That's yesterday. Right. That is now giving me a little bit of more mush from which I can draw water as I keep going forward. So it gets easier and easier. <coughs> the problem is when the, when the heat comes, you need the water. So anybody, anybody can jump into a scripture for me here that the water is the word of God. That as you keep getting the persecution, as that stuff is pounding you, yesterday's deception is still arriving in your life. And you've got to pound at that thing and pound at that thing and pound at that thing. You don't do it with your fist. You don't do it with your wife. You do it with, your, with the word of God. As you keep declaring that scripture that God gave you. And you know what? You may even hunt up a couple other ones. Find other ones that are there that agree with that. And now you've got a couple of bullets in your gun. Come on. Come on, persecution. I got gotcha. you. Take the safety off that thing. Just get up in the morning, take the safety off that thing. You're going to need it. Because when it comes, you've got to have the word of God. You've got to have a bullet. And as you keep doing it, at first you've got to do it lots. And counterers, you've got to do it a lot. You don't fold up that book and put it on the shelf yet. Because now those are bullets. Those you're going to need. Because when it comes, and it's going to come. I hate to tell you, I wish this wasn't in here. I know Jesus, I wish Jesus was more of a positive thinker, like we say. I wish he had better confession. Jesus wasn't making a negative confession here. He was just telling you how to get from here to there. And he was saying, prep yourself. You know, if I came up to Sandy right now and it's a boom, I just hit him without warning him, I'd knock him out. Well, maybe not knock him out, as Sandy is probably telling you, right? <laughs> I probably would bruise my knuckles, is probably what Sandy was thinking. It's very, very different if I have Richard come up here and I tell him I'm about to pound him, right? Because he'd just wait, and then I'd hit him, and nothing would happen except I'd break my wrist because he was ready for the fact that I was going to hit him. Do you understand? There's a difference. That's why God's telling you. He's not telling you because this is going to hurt you. He's not telling you because it's going to defeat you. He's not telling you because it's stronger than you are. He's just saying, this is what's going to happen. And you got to push through it. Just understanding the simple metaphor. So you wake up in the morning. Oh, we can't do this now in our culture because it's 30 degrees out. But in the springtime... You know, you plant your little tomato plant out there and you go out in the morning and you look at it and she's looking, Mwah. don't worry. What do you got to do? That's all. So you wake up in the morning and you're feeling a little bit, Mwah. don't worry. I think they use meh. Say that with me, say meh. That's a fun thing to say now because we never used to say that. We never had meh when I was young. This, our culture is just so beautiful, really. The English language has grown so much. So when you're feeling meh in the morning, I just need a little bit of water. That's all. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't you, get, you know, the sun comes up and it gets a little bit hot and you're feeling a little meh by the middle of the day. Don't worry. Boop. That's all you got to do. Boop. That's all you got to do. Yeah, but now you leave it. You go on vacation, you know, you go la-di-da land, you forget about the fact that you got this cute little tomato in your backyard, come back two weeks later, you know, Matt has turned to something else. Matt has turned to dead. It's turned to, let's go back to church and start again. It's turned to, when's the next encounter? I need to go again. So just don't do that. Don't wait a week. I'm sure I'll be fine. You know, Pastor Ian is on the pulpit next Sunday. He's going to tell me more jokes. I'm going to be fine. No, 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 no. 
It's a long time between here and next Sunday. Right? You're going to have some moments. Just That's all you're doing. Praise the Lord for stopping time. Are you all good if I finish today? <laughs> Did you hear that they said yes? <laughs> Officially. These are they likewise who are sown among the thorns. Now you get this. I heard it with gladness. That was awesome. The blessing of Abraham is really a gladness kind of a preaching story today. I heard it with gladness, but I readied myself because I did hear it with gladness. Because if I heard it without gladness, I didn't understand it. I didn't make it out of level one into level two because I'm not glad. Most people, most Christians, they hear messages, they don't get very glad. That's because they didn't understand it. But you understand it because I could tell you were glad. You laughed a couple times there, so you must be getting gladder. What that means is you're getting it. What that means is buckle up. It means get some fortitude. It means grab onto that scripture. It means take your encounter booklet home. It means surround yourself with people that you can call at three o'clock in the morning. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> so that when you get mad, whenever you get mad, you got, you're ready because you've been warned. It's easy to get through it, right? I'm giving you an umbrella and I'm telling you it's gonna rain. Rain is not bad because you got an umbrella. You understand the metaphor here? Okay. And these are they likewise which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things come in and choke out the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So first of all, this is the next level. So if you are in this level, you will notice that the persecution, tribulation, afflictions, and tribulations have gone away. And you're getting bored with your list of confessions that you make every day because Jenny's calling you to get your okie-dokie that you did them today. <laughs> and you just don't feel like doing it anymore. Matter of fact, you don't feel like doing it at all anymore. It's dumb. And I got this because I'm starting to get some fruit. It's green fruit, makes my stomach sour, but fruit nonetheless. I had a financial problem, got 10 bucks. 10 bucks solved the problem, perfect. I'm gonna go do something else today. Actually, I'm not feeling very well today, so I was working on my financial life, and so now I'm gonna start working on my healing life because I'm feeling a little bit blue in the uh, physical place. And you leave the poor little tomato plant over in the corner to get wrapped up in weeds until it can get no more sunlight. It's, can't move, it's trapped. And even though it was bearing fruit, had a couple of little zippity-doos on the branch right there, now it becometh unfruitful. It was fruitful a little bit, got excited, told my friends, and the fruit fell to the ground, was unripened. Why? Because you had other things, you had life that happened. In the meantime, you had other stuff. It was priorities now. This fire was burning, raging. It's the 28th of the month, and I don't have to, what I need to get through the end of the month. And so it was a big problem, so it got my undivided attention. Now we, God got me through the end of the month, and I wander over to try and fix another problem that I have in my life. And so what we do is we'll just keep going around and around and around, fighting fires, fighting fires, fighting fires. Come back next month, 28th of the month, I'm fighting the same fight that I was fighting the month before. How many of you say, that's not the way I wanna live? What you have to do is, in this stage, if you get to this stage and you get bored with the words that you are studying, the scriptures that you are reading, the confessions that you are making, the tapes that you are listening to, if you start to get bored, you just don't feel like doing it anymore, you gotta focus now. This is called discipline. I'm not using the word of God because, somebody, because the wolf is at the door and I need to start firing my bullets at the wolf that's at the door because he stops coming. And so I forget about my, my bullets because there's no pressure anymore. I just, it's cool, it's good, it's good. I got this, don't worry. I got my $10. Do you see what happens to us as human beings? 
this can be the longest. I think uh, Minister Jenny was saying it on one of, the, one of the teachings that she did on Encounter, was the uh, 63 days that it takes in order to get all the way through to the other side where we have completely changed who we are and what we believe. 63 days. You could understand what I'm saying as I'm saying it. And then the tribulation stuff, the persecution stuff, you know, when somebody's beating on you to steal the word, that'll maybe take a week. That means that the focus part of it could take, what's 63 minus 8? 55 days of this process is you disciplining yourself and doing it even though you don't want to do it. You don't feel like it. You got better things to do. You got other priorities that are banging at the door right now. And it becometh unfruitful. You see what happens to us as human beings, nobody, some people are good at understanding, but they suck at persevering. But some people are good at understanding and, and persevering, but they're really, really crappy at disciplining themselves. I'll fight as long as somebody wants to fight. But if nobody wants to fight, nah. Because I need you to come and pick a fight with me before I feel like fighting. But I won't just fight on my own sometimes. And so you see how this was a mystery that was hidden forever. Because maybe a person got one of them, maybe got two of them, but how many people that know somebody who's really good at understanding, really per- good at persevering, and really good at disciplining themselves? How many know somebody who is not good at any of those three? <laughs> you are all such kind people. Of course we know them. That's the person that you looked at in the mirror this morning when you got up. Because most of us really aren't very good at any of that especially in our culture that lives 140 characters at a time. And we've been stripped of all those things. We don't, fo- we don't concentrate in order to understand. We don't like anything that, is, that has to do with suffering and perseverance, and we certainly have got focus problems. Dr. Ed was here last year. He said that goldfish have a longer attention span than humans now. Goldfish folk, I don't know how... I'd like to meet the goldfish, actually. (laughs) But they say goldfish focus for nine seconds, humans for eight. Seconds. I tried that one time. I said, I'm going to focus on one thing. I'm going to beat that little goldfish. Ten seconds, ten seconds, ten seconds. I'm just going to focus on the word ten seconds. Four, ten, and I couldn't do it. I felt a little thought zipped through my mind in 10 seconds. Right. Speaking of focus, these are they which are on, sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bear much fruit. Some thick 60, some, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And this is, the, this is the final place which we would think we could read over, but you can't. Because harvest is actually when you have to go to work. We've been trained in a world that says, I need to work in order to make a harvest. That's not true. Your harvest comes from what I just explained to you. But now that you get a harvest, you have to go to work. Because inside the harvest is all of the the calling in, the gathering, the processing, the doing. Once your vision starts to come to pass, you may be able to sleep sleep in now, but you won't be able to sleep in when you have 75 employees who are at work wondering what to do. Now you got to get up and go to work because your, your vision is coming to pass, because you are getting fruit, right? You think it's hard having no money, try having money. Right? Try having investments right now as the stock market is, is teetering at the very top of its game for all eternity. What would you do? How do you sleep at night when you're wondering if you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and some banker somewhere is going to pull the plug and your whole life savings is going to vanish overnight? How would you like that one? Well, that's, lots of people do that today. You see, when it starts working, it starts working. And it means you have to start working. Working. 
You see what happens here? And so the process of going through all of these things, oftentimes you get somebody who knows how to understand. They've, they've, they've had people around them which get them to persevere. And then they have tapes and CDs and all of these things to help them stay focused. And then the, uh, then the harvest comes and they go, oh, look at that harvest. That's a train load of harvest going right by there. <laughs> it even pulled the whistle, but you didn't get out of bed to go get that crate of harvest off that train before it went by. Do you see what happened? This is why Jesus was here telling us, this is a mystery. This is tough. You need to focus on what part of it you aren't good at. And I hate to tell you, you're not good at stuff. I was, not, I was crappy at all of it. Until you realize the only way this is going to happen is the way Jesus said it was going to happen. And we stay focused on it. And we are able to get to the bottom of it. This is verse 33. Go down to the bottom and I'll, I'll do the rest of it some other time. And when he was finished with the parables, uh, excuse me, and, and with many such parables spoke he the word unto them. And this is, he's talking to us here. And they were able to hear it. Can I tell you that where, where a lot of people are, those of you that are on the encounter, it said in there that the, that Persecutions and afflictions and tribulations. Whatever the other one is. Come and it offends them. Can I tell you that word offends is a very specific, has a very specific meaning. It means to separate you or to cause you to distrust the person who you were supposed to be trusting. Really, what's, what's that talking about? That's talking about, for you that were on encounter, and obviously everybody else, because we're all serious about God, is that when God brings the truth to us, the difficult season of the, the frustration gap, when you know life should be like this, but it's actually like this, and the, the frustration is created because you know you should be living a different way now. As you are going through that, the design of the difficulties of that wrestling that is going to happen is to offend you, is to cause you to distrust. The word is scandalizo. It brings a scandal into the deal. Trying to get you to not trust in the very person that you should be trusting in, in order to get through the difficulty that you're in. That's not Ian or Jenny or Alex or Tina. The person we're talking about here is the guy who said the things that you're starting to trust in. The devil wants you to start not trusting God, that he's somehow pulling a fast one on you, that he's somehow tricking you, that this is actually going to be a tough journey. It's not actually, there's no pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. And it gets you to turn back. It gets you to go back to the truth, that, the, the deception, the darkness that brought you here in the first place. Like Cypher in the Matrix. He wants to go back in. You know, I, I, I'm happier when I... <laughs> Don't do that. The blessing of God, the access he's giving you. There's not access into this little parable He's giving you access into everything else. Every other promise the Bible has is right here. And Jesus said, he explained it to them and they heard it. Put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, this guy's explained it to me and I heard it. I receive it with gladness. I'm ready to persevere as I'm not turning my back on the God who knows everything to serve some knucklehead who don't know anything. I'm just not doing that. I've decided to be a Christian. I've decided to walk in the ways of God. And they may be a little hard to understand at first, but I know if I will understand if I will persevere 
if I will focus and discipline myself, and if I will prepare for the work that is needed to bring in the harvest, I know my access, the manifestation of the promise in my life is 100% inevitable. I know it is because Jesus told me it is. And I know he cannot lie. He doesn't have the ability to deceive me because there is no deception in him. He can't deceive. He can't give me what he doesn't have. So I know he's told me the truth. This is the mystery. This is how I change what I believe. And when I change what I believe, I change everything else. That's the truth. I'll live out of that truth and the blessing that it creates for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord.